phrase before, build a better mousetrap and the world will beat a path to your door. It's attributed to poet Ralph Waldo Emerson in the late 19th century. Since that time, more than 4,400 patents have been issued for new mousetraps, making them the most frequently invented device in U.S. history. Hi, how in the world are you anyway? I'm Andy Willoughby from the Three-Step Plan Home Business System. Now, we don't sell mousetraps, but we do market the highest quality products we can find in our business category. To prove it, we'd like to send you a free sample that you could try for yourself. Right now, we're looking for people in this area who would like to earn between $500 and $5,000 a month using a telephone and the Internet to market these great products. To get your free sample and find out how you can make extra money working from home, go to 3stepusa.com. That's 3stepusa.com or call 800-480-2102. 800-480-2102. Boston conservative in the cradle of liberty. You'll want to listen when Chuck Moore speaks on the Information Radio Network. Good afternoon. It is I, Chuck Morse, Monday through Friday, 10 till noon, Eastern Standard Time, right here at the IRN USA Radio Network. You're welcome to join the program, 844 439 one three nine one eight four 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 three nine one three nine one. My guest this segment is J.R. Nyquist. He is a an author of the book Origins of the Fourth World War. He's also a well known columnist, uh, commentator, expert, particularly on issues of uh, Soviet American relations and uh, and nuclear questions. Jeff, thanks for joining me this afternoon having me. Jeff, listen, I, uh, you know, I've, I've admired your work for quite a while. I haven't had you on for a while. I think it's been many, many years. Um, but you bring a very good perspective in two respects, and that is, first of all, you accentuate from a lot of research the uh, dangers uh, not only of potential nuclear war, but the effect that the development of nuclear bombs has had on human psychology. And secondly, you claim that there is a, a plan afoot, if not we're already in it, or at least a danger toward the uh, the development of a fourth world war. Could you talk a bit, firstly, on the issue of uh, of nuclear proliferation via uh, the U.S. versus the Soviet, the old Soviet Union and Russia? Yes. Well, uh, the United States really doesn't want other countries to start developing nuclear weapons because there's a belief, and this is the belief shared by a lot of Western countries, that it's uh, stabilizing. Um, you know, you had uh, Russia and the United States had nuclear weapons, and that was the balance of terror. You, you have all these other little countries starting to develop nuclear weapons, and then you can have things go wrong much more easily. And uh, the problem is, is that uh, there's evidence that Russia has helped countries such as North Korea and Iran in the development of nuclear weapons. Uh, many of the uh, nuclear engineers in Iran were trained in Russia, and, um, of course, the Russian scientists were 
you know, according to Dr. Peter Vincent Pry, Russian scientists were helping uh, North Korea to develop an EMP nuclear weapon, a super weapon, uh, which is extremely dangerous, extremely destabilizing. It would mean that North Korea, with one bomb, could destroy the United States with an EM, nu- nuclear EMP attack. So, First of all, uh, I mean, why why on earth would Russia be involved with this now? I mean, we're talking already post-Soviet Union Russia um, helping North Korea. And secondly, what is their involvement in the Iranian nuclear development? Well, um, Russia, of course, is an, an ally of Iran, if you can believe that. And uh, they have provided uh, different kinds of military and scientific assistance to Iran. Uh, but uh, if you go back, if you go to your library and you go and you you look at articles having to do with Iranian nuclear scientists in Russia, you'll find an article quite a few years back now, uh, several years back now, showing that you know uh, hundreds of Iranian nuclear engineers and uh, were being trained in Russia, and of course. Uh, why would a, one of the largest oil-producing countries in the world need nuclear power plants, especially a regime right. that's right. led by crazy totalitarian, you know, ayatollahs? Why would you, you know, and of course this is the official story of the regime. It's been for years that, oh, no, we're not trying to develop nuclear weapons. We're trying to just develop peaceful nuclear power. Of course, it's ludicrous. Nuclear power is expensive. Right. There's only one real reason that a regime like that wants nuclear weapons, and it's to develop, uh, I mean, a nuclear power plant is to develop nuclear weapons. Now, Jeff, it looks to me like, and this is based on, on interviews I've done, and I'm sure you could comment and please do, that that Iran is well on their way at this point. I mean, they've they've got the centrifuges, they've 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 got the fusion, fusion, they've got all of it, and uh, that according to um, the Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu in his speech at the UN. He estimates that Iran is about 18 months out from having a full-fledged nuclear capability and bombs, and that speech was delivered almost a year ago. So, uh, where are they? Do you, based on your research? Well, uh, they may already have one, as far as we know. I mean, our intelligence regarding such things is always behindhand. You know, the CIA has made predictions about when was making predictions in the 1990s about when North Korea was going to get a bomb. Well, they've had a bomb at least for uh, 12 years, I mean 13 years. So, uh, you know, Iran, you know, any of these countries could get one. I mean, I somebody, uh, an official from the International Atomic Energy Agency once, I, I heard him ask a former Secretary of Defense, William Perry, whether the uh, the power lines running from Pyongyang to the uh, to the uh, North Korean n- nuclear project were carrying power into the project or out of the project, and Perry said, "I don't know." And this uh, this official got all excited and started, you know, to walk off in another direction. And I went and chased him down. I said, "What was that question about?" He said, "Oh, the North Koreans are they're very clever." I said, well, which way does the power flow? I think you know. And he said, yeah, I know. There's no power in those lines. They're dummies. <laughs> and I said to him, I said, well, I mean, the North Korean project yeah. is a fake. 
And he, and he, he kind of, he, he nodded. And I said, so how do they have the bomb? Somebody gave it to them. And he basically, I said, the Chinese? He said, no, the Russians. And then he wouldn't answer. So it was like the Russians so, gave them the bomb, you know? And the nuclear project so, they had was just a, a cover so that the Russians would not be, you know, caught red-handed doing it. You know, Jeff, you're you're an expert on um, on the uh, the testimony of Alexander Golitsyn. I've noticed, and others who were defectors from Russia. Um, I think uh, Pasepa is another guy, Jan Pasepa, who uh, actually yeah, I, was the head know, of the Romanian uh, Secret Service. Yeah, I know him. Yes. And uh, and and you've you've basically uh, have further developed this school of thought, which is that uh, the entire business of uh, of the shifting over from the old Soviet communist system has been a deception. That basically Russia is still controlled by this superpower, uh, elitist, uh, you know, I don't know what, what I'd call it. I mean, uh, mind control, spy network, internationalist uh, entity that is, is continuing to, uh, to do what they've always done, which is uh, foment uh, war against uh, the West. And to do so clandestinely, uh, and in some cases yeah. not so clandestinely. What, what say you on that, uh, on that, Jeff? Well, yeah. Well, what Gillison uh, did is he wrote a book in 1984. Uh, he had been a KGB officer that worked in a, in, uh, in, a, in a special think tank, an educational unit back in the late 1950s, before his defection, where they were discussing a long-range strategy against the United States in which they were going to uh, fake the collapse of communism in the Soviet bloc and, and get rid of the Warsaw Pact and, and so on. And, uh, and so he, he wrote this book in 1984 called New Lies for Old, in which he said, in the, in the coming years, uh, you're going to see a, a liberal Soviet leader emerge who's going to reform communism and it's going to end up that communism is going to collapse that the Berlin Wall is probably going to go down, that the Warsaw Pact is going to be eliminated. But he said, don't believe this stuff, because it's all part of a massive uh, uh, deception. And, of course, if you talk to KGB officials who are willing to talk, who are, are on the outs with their former organization today, you talk to anybody who is in the know over there uh, in the former Soviet Union, and they'll tell you, yes, this is true. Um you know, mm-hmm. Konstantin Brzezinski is one example. Viktor Kalashnikov, who I've I've written many articles about, done many interviews with, um, a very courageous individual who got into trouble over there for trying to write the secret oral history of the Soviet Union. And uh, Gorbachev found out in, uh, several years ago and uh, and told all the former Soviet officials, don't talk to the Kalashnikovs. Don't give them this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um there's, there's evidence from a lot of the former satellite countries in Eastern Europe that the revolutions, you know, you've got Mr. Zivchek, former STB official in Czechoslovakia, who says, yeah, I organized the Velvet Revolution on orders from Moscow. You know, and he just, hmm. he's given extensive testimony. Uh, Robert Bukhar did a documentary, the, uh, the Czech uh, filmmaker did a documentary on it, um, uh, on this subject. Um, you know, you've got uh, Andrei Kudrescu's book, The Hole in the Flag, about how the Romanian Revolution that overthrew Ceausescu was uh, was done on orders from Moscow. Um, 
of right. course, the, all, all of this, these maneuvers by Russia went quite bad for them in 1989 because mm-hmm. in Germany, see, their plan was to, uh, when Germany was united, was reunited, their plan was to um, uh, make it a socialist Germany. The United Germany, the socialists were supposed to win, and then Germany was going to drop out of NATO and, and join with Russia. Uh, with the new liberal Russia, and the, but the problem was is that uh, that it didn't happen that way. Uh, the process in Germany spun out of control. Uh, it was supposed to take five years. It took only one year, uh, or less than a year, for Germany to reunite once they started to trigger the process. And then the Soviet army was on the soil of a NATO country, which demoralized that army and made it useless. And it this demoralization spread into the Soviet Union. They had problems with the Ukrainian underground, and they had to break up the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. Um, and But uh, right. what happened was is that, that they did suffer a, a defeat in their strategy, but they said, look, we'll just take some years, we'll rebuild, and we'll come back, and we've got the, the West believing that communism is dead. But if you talk to Ukrainian revolutionaries over there in Ukraine right now, Many of them will tell you, we're not fighting separatists in eastern Ukraine. We're fighting the Communist Party Soviet Union. And they point mm-hmm. to Moscow and say, it's still there, it's still in control, and it still has huge tentacles in Ukraine, which is what, what they're really fighting against. That's what they'll tell you. You know, Jeff, it sounds to me like this is the, um, a continuation of the, of the so-called policy of convergence which was patented actually um, before World War II. I mean, right, right around the time of the Bolsheviks, I think that the, uh, the, the Ford Foundation had a lot to do with it. Um, it was basically this idea that the United States uh, would move to the left, the Soviet Union would move to the right, eventually they'd meet halfway, they would find this so-called third way, which I think was also in the experiment of fascist Italy, the third way, and that it would be kind of a hybrid between capitalism and communism uh, you know they leave in place uh, you know certain elements of the free market because that's the way you have to roll but at the same time they've maintained this kind of top-heavy control over the state and and maybe that's what the Soviets had in mind when they started to dismantle communism in the late 1980s it wasn't working for them it was they had to get rid of Marxism for sure but at the same time, they maintained this authoritarian control while allowing in a certain amount of free market. All right, we're going to take a brief break. My guest is J.R. Nyquist, uh, Origins of the Fourth World War. We'll be right back. Know the secret to success, kid? One thing, the Granger catalog and Granger.com. Okay, that's two things. Oh, and Granger's got mobile apps. Those sure are convenient. Three things to succeed. Hey, and 1-800-GRANGER. I know that number by heart. Four things. There's hundreds of branches, too. Like I said, the one secret to keep this place running smoothly is Granger. Get it? Got it? Good. Call, click Granger.com, or stop by. Granger, for the ones 
who get it done. You have a mortgage and a load of other debt. Wouldn't it be great if it all just went away? Nine-year mortgage can change your life. We paid off all of our bills. All your debt, including your mortgage, in as little as nine years. We will have saved over $313,000 in interest payments. Even have more money left over each month? It lowered our monthly payments by a little over $500. Nine-year mortgage. <laughs> Where have they been all of our life? If you knew about something like that, you'd want to tell everybody. Whenever I have a friend or someone that needs this service, I give them the number. Hi, I'm Larry Ruff, president of Nine Year Mortgage. This is unlike anything you've ever seen before, and it will absolutely not harm your credit. Call for your free CD and learn how you can eliminate all of your debt, including your mortgage, much sooner than you ever dreamed possible. The more debt you have, the more we can help. Call for your free CD now, 800-284-5572. This works. Call the number. Call now for your free CD, 800-284-5572, 800-284-5572. Every business owner knows how tough it is to get financing for their business. Whether the cash is needed for expansion, repairs, or growth, when you need financing, you need a reliable source. Banks are happy to hold your deposits, but don't bother to ask them for a business loan. For 10 years, Merchant Capital Source has been helping small businesses just like yours get the money they need. If your business needs as much as $250,000, Merchant Capital Source can deliver in as little as three to five days, even if you have poor credit. If you've been in business for six months and produce at least $15,000 in monthly sales, there's a good chance you'll qualify. At Talk About Hassle Free, we don't need to see your tax returns, financial statements, or business plans. Rated A-plus by the Better Business Bureau. Join the thousands of business owners who've learned the secret of using Merchant Capital Source to meet their capital needs. Log on to mccash.com right now for a free quote. That's mccash.com or call 800-545-6952. That's 800-545-6952. 800-545-6952. This is a special news alert to consumers who owe back taxes to the IRS. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing during the decline in the U.S. economy, the Internal Revenue Service is now accepting reduced settlements from consumers on back taxes, resulting in back taxes reduced by thousands of dollars. An open phone line has been established by Federal Tax Relief for consumers to call and see if you qualify for this reduction. To ensure your financial stability during this decline in the economy, take down this number or store it in your cell phone, but call 1-800-574-9345. That's 1-800-574-9345. If you back taxes to the IRS, there's no need to fear anymore. The IRS is now accepting reduced settlements from consumers, resulting in tax debts reduced by thousands of dollars. For your free information and to see if you qualify for your reduction, call the Federal Tax Relief Hotline, 1-800-574-9345, 1-800-574-9345. That's 1-800-574-9345. You could be financially independent and never have to worry about money again. Hi, how in the world are you anyway? This is Andy Willoughby speaking for the three-step plan. The three-step plan is a business system designed to help families start their own home-based business. If you like working with people with similar family values, you'll love the three-step plan. For information, go to 3stepusa or call 800-480-2102. 800-480-2102. Chuck Morse speaks. Thank you very much. My guest is J.R. Nyquist. Uh, his book is Origins of the Fourth World War. His website, jrnyquist.com. Uh, Jeff, what, what, what do you think about um, what I said about convergence? Is that what's going on here? Is this a convergence 
between both the Soviet Union, the old Soviet Union, and the United States? Yes, that does appear to be what's happening. Galitzin even mentions convergence in his book. Um, and it's quite clear that a process of convergence, you see, uh, you know, if, any, if you've probably, I don't know if you've interviewed Diana West. She wrote the book uh, American Betrayal. Yes, I have. Um, Fantastic book. You have M. Stanton Evans the, in the, you know, in the 1930s, as soon as we opened re- diplomatic relations with the Soviet Union, they started to infiltrate our government. They've infiltrated our corporations, our foundations, um, and they've, there's an extent to which many institutions in the Western countries are under Soviet control, have been under Soviet control for a long time. You'll notice that the, just Senator Joseph McCarthy was the one who was blacklisted, ultimately blacklisted by history, as Stanton Evans says uh, in the title of his book on McCarthy. Um, so, yes, they, have, they want to create a socialist world. Um, you look at who's in the White House now. You know, is, is Marx did yes. communism die? Is Marxism dead? Um, wait a minute. Um, it's now the fashion that if you're a communist or a Marxist, um, you don't admit you are. You say you're something else. Sure. Deception, in fact, is lying and deception are not only allowed, but they're, they're honored as a tactic. I mean, this goes back to um, uh, Catechism of a Revolutionary by Nikayev. In other words, if it helps the revolution, if it helps move society forward into this authoritarian state, then it's it's not only okay to lie, it's good to lie. You know, it's a, it, it, it's a kind of a hand-in-glove situation. And that, yeah, this country's moving to the left in terms of authoritarian government, nanny statism. We've got uh, Common Core running our schools and controlling our children's minds. We've got Agenda 21 yeah. controlling our environment. We've got uh, agencies of the government operating outside of their constitutional purview, like the IRS being used as a gendarme to go after enemies. You know, we, we could go on. We've got the militarization of various federal agencies, including the Postal Service. I mean, this is, uh, you know, the country is moving in a left direction, while, of course, Russia moved in a right direction, I think, after the fall of the Soviet Union, which is good. But the problem, the bigger question is, are we moving, is this an, an establishment game? Is this a, an attempt to create this kind of uh, making the United States a province of the world. I mean, is you know, is that the end game here? And that's certainly what was advocated by those who uh, who supported convergence, and they included very major American uh, figures like Franklin Roosevelt, among others. Yeah, well, of course, we know Franklin Roosevelt was surrounded by Soviet agents. You know, so that's yeah, exactly uh, this. The communist, you know, the communist international is not an illusion. It's not some conspiracy theory. It's a real thing. It has been a real thing, and there are volumes yeah. and volumes of con- congressional testimony and investigation showing the extent of this diversion. Uh, of course, we no longer investigate it. We no longer, you know, our government was penetrated in our media to the point where you really can't talk about this anymore. It's not, uh, it's exactly. not something that we're allowed well, to If you talk do, about. you're criticized. If you do, then you're ridiculed because they'll say, well, communism is dead. But, Jeff, I want to bring up another aspect to this, and that is what is the role of radical Islam and jihad in all of this? I mean, how do they, are they on the same side, and what is the relationship between them and this internationalist elite? 
Well, just like the, it's a, it's a great question. Just like the uh, Soviets were infiltrating the United States back in the 30s, uh, back in the, the 50s and 60s and 70s, they were infiltrating Islam. And of course, the Soviet Union had a great basis for infiltrating Islam, and that basis was the fact that part of the Soviet Union was basically was already Islamic, the uh, Central Asian Republic. Mm-hmm. And they had, therefore, the skills and the people to penetrate the Islamic world, you know, overall. And uh, there was a, a, a defector named Victor Suvorov. His, that was his pen name. His real name was uh, Vladimir Rezin. And he wrote about something called Gray Terror, in which uh, the Soviet Union in the future would use terrorists who were not visibly associated, connected with Russia, and that these terrorists would uh, uh, wage a terror war against the West that would divert all of the West's security services and military to this other threat. That is, we wouldn't be watching Russia anymore, we'd be watching them. Okay, we'll be right back. Jeff Nyquist is my guest. Origins of the Fourth World War is the book. We'll be right back. To buy and sell houses but didn't know how or where to begin? Do you fear your job is in jeopardy or is your business income reduction keeping you awake at night? We're in the best time in 25 years to make a fortune in real estate without using your money or credit. My name is Ron Legrand, and I've taught a half a million people to do just that and personally bought hundreds of houses myself. If you'll call 800-970-6156, 24 hours, and leave your information, I'll send you the first 500 callers my hot new CD, Foreclosure Fortunes, and my best-selling book to help you get started absolutely free. I'll show you how to build a six-figure income part-time with no previous experience and no license, even if you're a busy professional. Call 800-970-6156, 24 hours, and get my new book and CD free. That's 800-970-6156. Take your life back and make this your best year ever. Call 800-970-6156 now. This is a special news alert to consumers who owe back taxes to the IRS. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing during the decline in the U.S. economy, the Internal Revenue Service is now accepting reduced settlements from consumers on back taxes, resulting in back taxes reduced by thousands of dollars. An open phone line has been established by Federal Tax Relief for consumers to call and see if you qualify for this reduction. To ensure your financial stability during this decline in the economy, take down this number or store it in your cell phone, but call one 800 575 That's 1-800-574-9345. If you owe back taxes to the IRS, there's no need to fear anymore. The IRS is now accepting reduced settlements from consumers, resulting in tax debts reduced by thousands of dollars. For your free information and to see if you qualify for your reduction, call the Federal Tax Relief Hotline, 1-800-574-9345. 1-800-574-9345. That's 1-800-574-9345. You'll want to listen when Chuck Moore speaks on the Information Radio Network. Thank you very much. J.R. Nyquist is my guest, Origins of the Fourth World War. Jeff, you're really onto something on this business of uh, Soviet-trained uh, Islamic 
terrorists. I actually wrote a book on this topic called Islamo-Communism, uh, an imperfect book. I need to do a lot more research. But uh, I, I show how uh, Arafat and the PLO was entirely a Soviet creation, uh, that they were trained in the Soviet Union. They were financed by the Soviets, and propaganda was provided through world communism. I show how the Soviets trained and supported most of the people that uh, engaged in the Iranian Revolution, including the Ayatollah Khomeini and his uh, his people, his handlers. And I think that uh, it's safe to say that the Soviets had everything to do with radicalizing Islam, with emphasizing the radical elements within Islam, uh, because those elements are very similar, if not identical, to the communist element, which is... Uh, Sharia law, which is the same as total control, and jihad, which is the same as world revolution. I mean, it's almost like uh, these guys are the same as, as the Soviets, except they're dressed in different garb. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, you know, you, you, we all heard about uh, Alexander Litvinenko, the former KGB man who was poisoned in London in 2006. Uh, he, right. he paid with his life for publicly saying that uh, Ayman al-Zawari was a longtime agent of the KGB and that uh, Russia was behind al-Qaeda, that, that several of the leaders of al-Qaeda were longtime Russian agents, and that uh, Livinenko was, uh, was responsible, personally responsible for uh, maintaining the security of Zawari's visit to Russia in 1996. So the head of al-Qaeda today was trained in Russia and has been has been outed as a Russian agent for years, but the Western media won't touch it. And the man who gave the testimony was poisoned with radioactive polonium for saying it. I wonder why. No, you know, we have the, the you, I, I show in, one, in another book I wrote, The Nazi Connection to Islamic Terrorism, how both the Nazis and the Soviets created the Muslim Brotherhood back in, in 1925, and how this is, uh, of course, the organization that spawned Hamas, among other groups. The um, the bottom line is that uh, you know it's you know the the, the Nazis um, were, were successful at, at radicalizing Islam, and after the Nazi defeat in 1945, the old Soviet Union picked up the uh, the mantle. You know they they continued yes. on with that. Yes, you're absolutely so, yeah. right. Uh, a lot of people don't realize the Nazi movement was captured by Soviet agents that had infiltrated it during World War II, and that they basically controlled the Nazi international. They took it over. And right now, when you see the right, see the reason that Moscow's posturing to the right, the reason that works for them in Europe, is you see this right-wing resurgence in Europe. This right-wing resurgence in Europe is no accident. This is part of a design. Mm -hmm. And so... The use of Nazis and neo-Nazis by Moscow is something you're going to see more and more of in the future. So what you're saying then is this rise of the right wing in Europe is something that's, um, uh, I guess you might say, stage-managed, or is it an organic movement? Well, it is, it is an organic element to it, of course, because you've got the Hitler history and so on in Europe, and you've got this, you know, a lot of, you know... The, the immigration, the it, you know, we know from the testimony of Soviet defectors, uh, Ian Sapa just recently wrote a piece on uh, immigration for Net World Net Daily here. I think it was yesterday or the day mm -hmm. before, saying that it was a purpose, it was a purposeful policy of the KGB 
to to get us to take in people from all over the world to have illegal aliens pouring into Western Europe and the United States because then they would exploit that. Well, one of the exploitations right. is to in, increase racism and increase these neo-Nazi movements, which the Russians have control over. And then Putin, posturing as a right-wing defender of white people and of Christians, you know, all of a sudden he's winning over Pat Buchanan as a defender of Christian civilization. That's fascinating. We'll be right back. Hold on. Most of us have pondered about the one universal question. Is there a God? And if there is, is there any absolute proof? It is for that exact reason why my good friend Sam Sorbo and I, Marius Forte, have written our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. In essence, the answers in our book are surprisingly simple as they're true. Just as light will eliminate darkness, so does the law, which in Greek is called cosmos, eliminate the possibility of chance. Therefore, chance had no part in the creation of the law of this cosmos. And so the only other possibility is that the law was created by a creator that we call God. The answer, proof of God in heaven, is probably one of the most powerful books that truly proves the existence of God via his universal laws, and with it that of an eternal soul and everlasting life. Please find our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven, now on Amazon.com or at our website, theanswer-book.com. Most of us have pondered about the one universal question. Is there a God? And if there is, is there any absolute proof? It is for that exact reason why my good friend Sam Sorbo and I, Marius Forte, have written our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. In essence, the answers in our book are surprisingly simple as they're true. Just as light will eliminate darkness, so does the law, which in Greek is called cosmos, eliminate the possibility of chance. Therefore, chance had no part in the creation of the law of this cosmos. And so the only other possibility is that the law was created by a creator that we call God. The answer, proof of God in heaven, is probably one of the most powerful books that truly proves the existence of God via his universal laws and with it that of an eternal soul and everlasting life. Please find our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven, now on Amazon.com or at our website, theanswer-book.com. News alert to consumers who owe back taxes to the IRS. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing during the decline in the U.S. economy, the Internal Revenue Service is now accepting reduced settlements from consumers on back taxes, resulting in back taxes reduced by thousands of dollars. An open phone line has been established by Federal Tax Relief for consumers to call and see if you qualify for this reduction. To ensure your financial stability during this decline in the economy, take down this number or store it in your cell phone, but call 1-800-574-9345. That's 1-800-574-9345. If you owe back taxes to the IRS, there's no need to fear anymore. The IRS is now accepting reduced settlements from consumers, resulting in tax debts reduced by thousands of dollars. For your free information and to see if you qualify for your reduction, call the Federal Tax Relief Hotline, 1-800-574-9345. 1-800-574-9345. That's 1-800-574-9345. Author, journalist, and American patriot. This is Chuck Morse Speaks. Thank you very much. J.R. Nyquist is my guest. Origins of the Fourth World War. 
So, uh, Jeff, this is a fine pickle we find ourselves in here. We've got the old Soviet Union reconstituted, still active as it's with its international tentacles all over the world, giving nuclear uh, bombs and a nuclear know-how to North Korea, which is developing a bomb that could completely destroy the United States, helping the uh, Iranians develop an Islamic bomb uh, as they threaten Israel and Europe and the United States. We've got radical Islam closely integrated with and, you know, and uh, interfacing with this internationalist entity. And we've got the United States forbidding us to talk about radical Islam, to talk about this development with the old Soviet Union. And we've got uh, a government that's moving us so far to the left that it's unlike any America that we've ever recognized before, now especially becoming obvious as hundreds of people stream across the southern border, as we've got federal agencies that are openly uh, flouting the law and nothing is done. And um, I guess so when you say, when you title your book, Origins of the Fourth World War, it really becomes pretty clear that you're absolutely on the money on that one. What, what, what's up, what do you see as the, um, uh, you know, looking into your crystal ball here, what, what's going to be the Fourth World War? Well, it looks to me like, uh, look, Russia has been mobilizing. China has been doing sporadic mobilizations. There's going to be some kind of military action in the future, and you can see that they're getting ready for it. The, the North Korean dictator told his generals, this was reported a couple months back, that uh, World War Three, you know, what the Russians now are calling World War Four, is going to start next year in 2015, and uh, to get ready, and that they needed to get ready now. Uh, you've got, when, when countries start to mobilize, and there start to be, uh, excuses or pressure points about which they are uh, worried, uh, suddenly you have the prospect of war. And uh, I don't know exactly what the Chinese generals and the Russian generals are planning, but we can see there's heightened military activity already there. And there's, you know, this thing between China and Japan. This threat. So... Sorry about this, Jeff. I got one more commercial here. We'll be right back. Sorry about that. Most of us have pondered about the one universal question. Is there a God? And if there is, is there any absolute proof? It is for that exact reason why my good friend Sam Sorbo and I, Marius Forte, have written our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven. In essence, the answers in our book are surprisingly simple as they're true. Just as light will eliminate darkness, so does the law, which in Greek is called cosmos, eliminate the possibility of chance. Therefore, chance had no part in the creation of the law, this cosmos. And so the only other possibility is that the law was created by a creator that we call God. The answer, proof of God in heaven, is probably one of the most powerful books that truly proves the existence of God via his universal laws and with it that of an eternal soul and everlasting life. Please find our book, The Answer, Proof of God in Heaven, now on Amazon.com or at our website, theanswer-book.com. Chuck Morse speaks. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, Jeff Nyquist is my guest. Origins of the Fourth World War. Jeff, by the way, what do they? What do you mean by Fourth World War? What was the Third World War? 
Well, the Third World War was the Cold War, which uh, technically uh-huh. was still in, but but people regarded it as being over. So, but uh, Jeff, I also we have the idea yeah. in the book that you know, world wars, it's not the end. You know, for there to be, uh, you can count as long as humanity's on the planet, we're going to continue to have world wars. So count as high as you like. And no matter what weapon we use, sure. we're still going to be on the planet because none of these weapons are going to kill everybody. Uh, that may be the that that may be the bad news because people don't want to think about it because they say, "Oh, World War Three is the end of the world." No, it's not. Then there's World War Four. That was another one of the ideas in my book. Right. Well, I mean, I suppose there's been world wars going all the way back to the days of Genghis Khan, but. Um... Uh, you know, nowadays with technology being what it is, it really does become literally a a, a more a, a world war that involves more people, as, because of nuclear and other weapons. Uh, yeah. I guess uh, Jeff, we only have a, we have a few minutes left here, Jeff, and I I really appreciate you coming on with me today, and and I'd like to have you back. But uh, given given the fact that we're reaching the end of the show, I want you to talk a little bit about uh, what what we can do. What do you think we can do as citizens? What the United States can do, our government do, to try to uh, to stop this from happening. Well, I, I think. Well, first of all, people need to educate themselves. There's a woeful lack of education, and the, the the system is not going to educate you about this. I mean, a person like yourself and the resources you've provided, resources that myself and others have provided. I mean, people need to read and figure these things out for themselves. Uh, it's there probably needs to be an actual movement, an educational movement in the United States to get large masses of people to understand that the, the, the peril of our time and where it comes from and how we're going to combat it, because we just end up electing politicians who get bought off by shadowy forces that, well, we don't, we're not quite sure what they are, and these politicians don't do what they promised to do again and again and again. So um, we need to have a coherent uh, view of the world and, and, and what's going on. And without education, the voter can't do this. Well, I mean, it's very difficult to educate, as you say, because the education system is kind of in a state of lockdown. Uh, I mean, we could speculate with regard to why our government is, is actually operating against our own interests as a people. But... Uh, you know, let's just uh, speculate for a minute here and assume that that the government can do something about this. What do you think our government should do? I mean, how should they deal with this growing crisis? Especially, it's interesting that now this summer is the 100th anniversary of the breakout of World War One, and uh, you know, when, when uh, the Archduke Francis Ferdinand was assassinated in Sarajevo, it, it everybody looked at that and said, "Oh, so what?" You know, I mean, too bad for him. It doesn't affect me. But the fact of the matter is that that one event uh, led to a series of domino events that broke down to a world war. And I think that we should reflect on that and ask ourselves, what can our government do to, uh, to try to stabilize things and, uh, and even the playing field so that we don't have that happen again? You mean what can the government do after we impeach Obama? <laughs> well, you know, we're gonna. I think we're gonna. We're gonna have to sweat through another couple of years with him. But uh, well, you know, uh, what can we do? I mean, maybe, hopefully, Congress will go Republican. I, I think that it's uh, there's a kind of problem in the question, in, in that it's the American people are going to have to do something. Uh, 
because the government is not going to do anything. They're never going to do anything. So look at the look at the kind of rotten apples we have in Congress, in both political parties. I mean, what on what on earth are we going to do? I mean, the Tea Party movement is a good thing. Uh, don't get me wrong, but and they're being educated about this. You've got you know Trevor Loudon's work. He's going around talking to Tea Party groups now about his book about communists in Congress. Uh, he wrote a book about the communist roots of Obama. Um, you've got these researchers who are getting no play from the press. They're being completely ignored. But uh, it's, it's only a movement like the Tea Party that's going to give these people a platform. And uh, so we, we, have to, we have to understand communism is real. You know, go out and read Diana West's book, American Betrayal. Oh, Think yes, excellent. That, yeah. that the implications of that book are for, for our day and time both in terms of Islamic and communist infiltration of the U.S. government today, which both things are going on. There's no doubt about that. Um, and, uh, you know, it, 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 it's up to we the people, because the government is split between, between people who are using the government for their own socialist agenda and people who are genuinely, you know, American, who would be appalled if right. they really understood the problem. You know, we still have some semblance of a democracy here, and we can express it if we get the Republicans to take back Congress in November. That'll at least slow them down. All right, we'll be right back to conclude. Want to know the secret to success, kid? One thing, the Granger catalog and Granger.com. Okay, that's two things. Oh, and Granger's got mobile apps. Those sure are convenient. Three things to succeed. Hey, and 1-800-GRANGER. I know that number by heart. Four things. There's hundreds of branches, too. Like I said, the one secret to keep this place running smoothly is Granger. Get it? Got it? Good. Call, click Granger.com, or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Safety, safety, safety. I'm saying it three times. Studies show you need to hear something three times to remember it. So remember, safety, safety, safety is important to me, me, me. That's why I love Granger. Granger has the products to help keep our facilities safe and people safer. Say it with me, kid. Safety, safety, safety from Granger, Granger, Granger. When you think safety, think Granger. Get it? Got it? Good. Call clickgranger.com slash safety or stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Chuck Morse speaks. Thank you very much and, uh, I'd like to thank Jeff Nyquist once again for joining me. Jeff, it's been a very interesting talk. It's nice talking with you again after all these years. Uh, your book, Origins of the Fourth World War, uh, tell us where it's available, how people can find out more about you and about your columns. Where can they get more information? Well, if they go to jrnyquist.com, that's N-Y-Q-U-I-S-T.com, uh, they can go to my website. There's a lot of current information. I do a column there every week, and you can buy my book from that site. So I, I really encourage people to uh, to visit. Thanks a lot, Jeff. You're, the site's very interesting. You've got some great columns up there. You know, you're one of those guys who's out there uh, speaking truth, and, uh, you know, we need more people like this. I mean, this is amazing. So, uh, listen, I, I just want to thank you for joining me this afternoon. Thank you for having me. All right, Jeff, take care. Okay, and we're going to be back in hour number two.
with Ned Ryan from Voter Gravity. This is a group that uh, gets out the vote. There's still a very important topic. And believe me, it's interesting to note that um, voter fraud was rampant in the last election, and anyone who says that and criticizes that is themselves accused of um, trying to suppress the vote, which is very Orwellian, actually. In fact, I understand that Thad Cochran in uh, Mississippi sent out a flyer. There's a, there's a picture of it up in the Drudge Report where he said to uh, basically to uh, African-Americans saying, you know, I mean, the, the, your opponent will, will, will deny you the right to vote. The implication being that, uh, you know, this, this whole phony baloney report that was created by the Brennan Institute, which is a George Soros far, front, a turf group, that claimed that uh, there was a conspiracy on the part of conservatives to uh, suppress the uh, black vote, a complete and utter lie, but yet one that they're going to use and one that they did use in 2012. This has to be countered. We have to stand up and not only call this a lie, but demand that with a double down, as, as, as the left likes to say, and demand that voter fraud be investigated across the country in every district, every precinct. All right, we'll be back. IRN USA Radio Network, please stay tuned. Business owner knows how tough it is to get financing for their business. Whether the cash is needed for expansion, repairs, or growth, when you need financing, you need a reliable source. Banks are happy to hold your deposits, but don't bother to ask them for a business loan. For 10 years, Merchant Capital Source has been helping small businesses just like yours get the money they need. If your business needs as much as $250,000, Merchant Capital Source can deliver in as little as three to five days, even if you have poor credit. If you've been in business for six months and produce at least $15,000 in monthly sales, there's a good chance you'll qualify and talk about hassle free we don't need to see your tax returns financial statements or business plans rated a plus by the better business bureau join the thousands of business owners who've learned the secret of using merchant capital source to meet their capital needs log on to mccash.com right now for a free quote that's mccash.com or call 800-482-4160 that's 800-482-4160 800-482-4160 could reverse diabetes and stop taking your diabetes medication. If you or someone you care about has diabetes or prediabetes, there's a special free video you need to watch. You may have heard about this. It's all over the internet. Diabetes77.com. People who have followed this plan at Diabetes77.com have not only normalized their blood sugars, but have stopped taking their diabetes meds completely with their doctor's approval. Diabetes77.com is a natural drug-free approach to reversing diabetes with remarkable results in as little as four weeks. Diabetes77.com will save you from being a slave to doctor-prescribed drugs. It's easy. Diabetes77.com gives you three specific actions to get your blood sugars under control. And the best part is the main ingredient and solution is a common spice found in most kitchens. Watch the free video for yourself at Diabetes77.com. Watch for free at Diabetes77.com. Get back the quality of your life and free yourself from diabetes medications at Diabetes77.com. Watch for free at Diabetes77.com. Boston conservative in the cradle of liberty. You'll want to listen when Chuck Moore speaks on the Information Radio Network.
Thank you very much. Hour number two of Chuck Moore Speaks at the IRN USA Radio Network. Again, I want to thank Jeff Nyquist for joining me in the first segment. Origins of the Fourth World War. Jeff's got a lot of fascinating articles up there, and he's done some real yeoman's research. I urge you to check out his website, jrnyquist.com. We are expecting Ned Ryan to be with us from Voter Gravity, and we're just awaiting his arrival here. Um, Jeff and I talked about this idea of convergence, uh, something that uh, is a principle that I think has been uh, advocated by uh, our establishment, as it were, the sort of the Anglo-American establishment, which is the term that um, that Professor Carol Quigley used to describe it in his book *Tragedy and Hope*. That uh, it goes back to the uh, the turn of the 20th century and the, the work of Cecil Rhodes, who was the owner of the De Beers Diamond Mines in South Africa and who was a British imperialist and internationalist who saw the essentially the convergence of the United States and the British Empire, which, of course, back then was the largest physical empire in the, in the world. I mean, they, they controlled Canada, Australia, India, the colonies throughout Africa. And uh, that this uh, Anglo-American merge would be the font of world control. Uh, the, the idea was also quite racist in that he believed that the Anglo-American race, as it were, was superior uh, in intelligence and that we had some sort of a, uh, a divine, uh, a manifest destiny for the world, not the American concept, which was just uh, to have a continental empire, but a world empire. And that uh, people like Cecil Rhodes and, and that ilk, and these are people who tend to be, I guess you might accurately call them amoral. They're not immoral, but they're not moral. They believe that the ends justify the means. That they wanted to uh, do whatever was necessary to implement this order. And they understood and believed in the concept of the dialectic as it had first been described by Georg Hegel, the German philosopher and professor, and then codified by Karl Marx, uh, in terms of an understanding of history, which was that uh, you take opposite ideas and you kind of crash them together until eventually out pops a new, a new uh, thesis. It's the it's a thesis, the antithesis, and then or the synthesis, and then the synthesis, the the the, the eventual change, and by this means they would evolve human societies and human nature toward their own vision. And that vision was a socialist world, uh, a world where things like religion, things like, that is, a religion, you know, God-based religion, uh, things like uh, the family, private ownership of property, limited government, individual rights, even individual identity itself, moral codes that are 
divine and outside of manipulation, that all of these things would be, as Karl Marx would say, made impossible, and that you would have emerging an international order that was controlled by and run by a group of elites who were not answerable to people. They did not believe in government, actually, because most of these elites would operate outside of government and that they would come in from the outside and manipulate and control governments um, and that governments essentially would be like window dressing. You have to realize that Cecil Rhodes and this Anglo establishment, they were not part of the English government. The government was sympathetic to them, but they were these were enormous international combines of wealth and power that were not answerable to anyone but themselves, that were into power and money and profit, and that had a philosophy that held themselves as superior and that they genuinely believed, and they believed they were great humanitarians and still do, that because they were superior, they should have some sort of a hegemonic control over the world. It runs completely contrary, of course, to the American way. It is everything to do with what our founding fathers warned us about, which was why they set up a constitution, and that was to limit the evil powers of government and the influences on same. But Cecil Rhodes proceeded. He died young, so he didn't really get off the ground, but he proceeded to create certain secret societies, the Rhodes Roundtable, and what was called the Kindergarten Group, and that these societies eventually spawned in England what's called the Chatham House, and in the United States what's called the Council on Foreign Relations. They also were able to uh, either create or take control of huge foundations which were used as means outside of government to influence public opinion and to award their friends and punish their enemies. And they were very successful. And they believed in this concept of convergence. I mean, uh, Carol Quigley, in his book, Tragedy and Hope, really lays it out. I mean, it's, it's an amazing uh, piece of work. And he, uh, he was the... Um, the dean of uh, the Department of Foreign of, of International Affairs at Georgetown University. He was a mentor to Bill Clinton, who thanked him during his inaugural address in 1992. And he lays out the, the whole agenda. Um, around this group. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not here... Um, claiming some kind of conspiracy. I mean, he said that that the view, the group was secretive, but he didn't think they should be. And that he pointed out that this group was not opposed to Soviet communism, which emerged, of course, during and right after World War I in Russia. But in fact, they, they viewed uh, themselves as in a position to work with the, the communist experiment, and in the Nazi experiment, I'd, I'd add, um, toward the idea of of, uh, of creating a world order. I mean, these were experiments by elitists to try to see 
to use people as guinea pigs and to control them, see if they could engage in these mass control movements uh, from the top. Anyway, Cesar Rhodes organizations spawned a sort of a uh, an anglophilic elite inside the United States. And that amoral anglophilic elite was able to come to power in 1912 with the election of Woodrow Wilson, who had been uh, a president of, uh, of Princeton University and who was uh, briefly governor of New Jersey until he suddenly emerged out of nowhere to become president of the United States after the electorate was divided three ways. Uh, that being uh, with the entrance of Theodore Roosevelt as a third-party candidate. And Theodore Roosevelt himself, who was a good president, had perceptibly, after leaving office, moved to the left, Um, probably uh, out of opportunism. Uh, Roosevelt has been described by someone who knew him as a child. I mean, he was was sort of an egotist, and and he was able to be... uh, his ego was massaged properly, and he was manipulated into entering that race and dividing up the vote so that Wilson could come in, the stealth candidate, the stalking horse of this establishment. And Wilson, who was an avowed socialist and who had written a book in the 1890s uh, talking about how the Constitution was an anachronism and that had been written for an earlier time, and that it had to have been, it had to be basically uh, abrogated in favor of a, a more centralized elitist government. Uh, Wilson proceeded to try to implement just that. And during his presidency, this country changed forever. In the first year of his office, 1913, you had the codification under very questionable circumstances. Of the uh, of the IRS of the uh, of the Sixteenth Amendment, which allowed for the first time the uh, federal government to tax people's income. Before that, the government raised funds by means of tariffs on trade, which actually served also to protect American industry. And states would would engage in taxation, which was much more appropriate given the fact that the state government is more accountable to the people, it's a smaller government, and that the states would give in turn a proportion of their collected revenues to the federal government. And the federal government had other means of raising revenues, including sin taxes. There's actually President uh, George Washington who signed into law the first sin tax, which was a tax on liquor, Of course, that led to the Whiskey Rebellion. But uh, the Americans do not like paying taxes, you know. But nevertheless, the precedent was set, and the government was able to have certain consumption taxes. Well, the the 16th Amendment allowed for the first time in peacetime the government to directly tax people's income. And I think this is very key because uh, it, it basically meant that Every earning individual, and at that time it was really only the rich, but eventually it would be extended to everyone, would have to file a certain number of documents and hand them over to their government 
basically telling the government how much they earned, how they earned it, who paid them, how much they paid them, and what they did with their money. Now, that's something that in this day and age we take for granted. But if that's not the most direct incursion into the privacy of a citizen, I don't know what is. It should be none of the government's business how much money we earn. It's none of their business in a free society. We have a right to earn whatever we want to earn, honestly. And if we're not honest, then we have laws to deal with that. You know, if someone's a crook, they should be prosecuted. But this law basically turned everyone into a crook because it involved the government into our private transactions. None of their beeswax. Now, accompanying the passage of the 16th Amendment, which happened again during the first year of Wilson's administration, part of that law also created nonprofit corporations and foundations which would be exempted from taxes. Now, that may seem like a good thing on the surface, but I'll get into when we come back why that became a part of this Anglo-American world order fantasy. We'll be right back. While Bill Clinton, George Bush, and Barack Obama have been in Washington trying to legislate an economy, I've been all over America working to improve the economy one family at a time with the three-step plan home business system. Hi, how in the world are you anyway? I'm Andy Willoughby. Thousands of enterprising Americans have changed their own financial futures by starting a business from their kitchen table. Most began part-time using their personal computers, telephones, and a belief in the American dream to carve out a stable business in a stormy business climate. They are housewives, truck drivers, downsized executives, health professionals, and even a lawyer or two. You could earn extra money or even replace your job. Technology advances have made this simpler and more efficient. So don't wait another 10 years. Check out the 3-Step Plan. Go to 3stepusa.com. That's 3stepusa.com or call 800-480-2102. 800-480-2102. Every business owner knows how tough it is to get financing for their business. Whether the cash is needed for expansion, repairs, or growth, when you need financing, you need a reliable source. Banks are happy to hold your deposits, but don't bother to ask them for a business loan. For 10 years, Merchant Capital Source has been helping small businesses just like yours get the money they need. If your business needs as much as $250,000, Merchant Capital Source can deliver in as little as three to five days, even if you have poor credit. If you've been in business for six months and produce at least $15,000 in monthly sales, there's a good chance you'll qualify. At Talk About Hassle-Free, we don't need to see your tax returns, financial statements, or business plans. Rated A-plus by the Better Business Bureau. Join the thousands of business owners who've learned the secret of using Merchant Capital Source to meet their capital needs. Log on to mccash.com right now for a free quote. That's mccash.com or call 800-565-5198. That's 800-565-5198. 800-565-5198. This is a special news alert to consumers who owe back taxes to the IRS. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing during the decline in the U.S. economy, the Internal Revenue Service is now accepting reduced settlements from consumers on back taxes, resulting in back taxes reduced by thousands of dollars. An open phone line has been established by Federal Tax Relief for consumers to call and see if you qualify for this reduction. To ensure your financial stability during this decline in the economy, take down this number or store it in your cell phone, but call 
1-800-574-9345. That's 1-800-574-9345. If you owe back taxes to the IRS, there's no need to fear anymore. The IRS is now accepting reduced settlements from consumers, resulting in tax debts reduced by thousands of dollars. For your free information and to see if you qualify for your reduction, call the Federal Tax Relief Hotline, 1-800-574-9345. 1-800-574-9345. That's 1-800-574-9345. Have you ever thought you'd like to buy and sell houses but didn't know how or where to begin? Do you fear your job is in jeopardy or is your business income reduction keeping you awake at night? We're in the best time in 25 years to make a fortune in real estate without using your money or credit. My name is Ron Legrand and I've taught a half a million people to do just that and personally bought hundreds of houses myself. If you'll call 800-970-6156, 24 hours and leave your information, I'll send you the first 500 callers my hot new CD, Foreclosure Fortunes, and my best-selling book to help you get started absolutely free. I'll show you how to build a six-figure income part-time with no previous experience and no license, even if you're a busy professional. Call 800-970-6156, 24 hours, and get my new book and CD free. That's 800-970-6156. Take your life back and make this your best year ever. Call 800-970-6156 now. Taking back America one listener at a time. Chuck Morse speaks. Thank you very much. And uh, just going over a little history here. The um, the convergence thus proceeded very rapidly during the Wilson years. Uh, not only did they get the income tax, which meant that every American eventually would have to give over to the federal government a portion not only of their income, which uh, they otherwise could invest in their own lives and, and build more capital in our country, which would lead to more ultimate revenue for the federal government and which thus in a sense puts a drag upon growth in this country and I would argue deliberately so but it also as a sidebar to that bill to that amendment allowed for the creation of nonprofit corporations and foundations now first of all we're not talking here about churches or religions because they've always been exempt from taxes I mean, that's, a, that's grandfathered in. That goes back to, you know, the Roman times. Um, we're talking here about the creation of these massive foundations, like the Ford Foundation, the Carnegie Institute, the uh, Rockefeller Brothers Fund, and other groups like that, the Pew Foundation. All of them, or, the, or 90, 95% of them on the left, the big ones are pretty much all on the left. And these groups, not only were they able to serve as shelters for enormous incomes and massive wealth estates where people needed to find someplace to put their money, but they also were then able to get involved in political and social questions and have the money to do it in a way that would change and influence the way people think about things. Their impact is enormous. And then furthermore, as a sidebar, they served as 
vehicles by which the rich and the powerful uh, top 1%, mostly left-wing people, could put their various relatives and friends on payrolls and give them something productive to do. So in 1913, we had the emergence of the development of these huge foundational, these huge foundation institutions. That same year, Christmas Eve, Congress passed the Federal Reserve Act, which basically turned over to a private entity, a consortium of private bankers and investors, the monopolistic ability to issue currency, to create currency, to loan it to the government at interest, and to decide how much or how little currency is circulated into the American economy. That was a huge power. That is what I mean when I say a privatization of power. They're not accountable to the government. I mean, they are slightly in that the, the Federal Reserve Chairman needs to go up to Washington every so often to testify. But for the most part, and the President does get to appoint the, uh, the Chairman and certain members of the board, even though they serve for, I think, 12-year terms, which means that they're going to be in there long after a president leaves office. But for the most part, they are autonomous, they are sovereign, and they have the ability to control how much our dollar is worth. They can inflate the dollar or they can deflate the dollar at will. They can put monies into institutions that they support and, and decline support for those that they don't. That's an enormous power. I don't think it's, it's coincidental, by the way, that within months of the establishment of the Federal Reserve, you had the outbreak of World War I in Europe. Now, I believe that the United States today needs to be involved in the world. I, I'm not an isolationist. If anything, I think we need to be vigorously involved but not in the sense of, of troops on the ground, but certainly in the sense of military presence and, uh, and military uh, strikes from time to time and, and whatnot. And I think that that's just the reality of the world we live in. For example, I think if we had maintained a bit larger of a military presence in Iraq, then there may not have been this devolution going on there now. But the fact of the matter is that at the time of World War I, and those times have changed, we had no reason to get involved in that war. No, One side was no better or worse than the other. But we got into it because our establishment, which was anglophilic, not only did they want to bail out Great Britain and their empire, but they wanted to punish Germany for being too independent, and they wanted to use war as a means to create a stronger world order. We'll be right back. And if you're worried about your parent or a loved one living alone like I was, and you want reliable senior care information, then call A Place for Mom, the nation's largest senior living referral service. You'll get free information on assisted living, Alzheimer's care, nursing homes, even important financial information. They had obviously researched every place, not just given me names. Really? Yeah. They found me a place for what she could afford, and it was magnificent. 
we're now very confident that she's safe and they just helped every step of the way and I can't thank them enough. So if you're struggling to find reliable senior living information, call a place for mom. This is a free service and you can trust them to help you. If you're struggling to find reliable senior living information for your mom or dad, then call or go online to get the free help you need during this turbulent time. Call now, 800-469-7591, 800-469-7591. What if I told you that you could reverse diabetes and stop taking your diabetes medication? If you or someone you care about has diabetes or prediabetes, there's a special free video you need to watch. You may have heard about this. It's all over the Internet. Diabetes77.com. People who have followed this plan at Diabetes77.com have not only normalized their blood sugars, but have stopped taking their diabetes meds completely with their doctor's approval. Diabetes77.com is a natural drug-free approach to reversing diabetes with remarkable results in as little as four weeks. Diabetes77.com will save you from being a slave to doctor-prescribed drugs. It's easy. Diabetes77.com gives you three specific actions to get your blood sugars under control. And the best part is the main ingredient and solution is a common spice found in most kitchens. Watch the free video for yourself at Diabetes77.com. Watch for free at Diabetes77.com. Get back the quality of your life and free yourself from diabetes medications at Diabetes77.com. Watch for free at Diabetes77.com. Chuck Morse speaks. Thank you very much. And uh, I'm here riffing, in a sense, off of uh, J.R. Nyquist's book, Origins of the Fourth World War. Jeff Nyquist was my guest in the first hour. Excellent book, by the way. Um, when, as I talk about this, uh, this sort of international agenda of convergence. So we're up to the Wilson administration. World War I breaks out. Wilson runs for re-election saying he kept us out of war, even though we find out later that he actually had signed a secret agreement with the British a year before that election, promising that we would get into that war right after the election and after he was safely back in office. We did get into it. Our entrance into it was certainly noble on the part of our American men and women in uniform, and the American people's intentions, but the reality is that I would argue our entrance into that war prolonged the war and resulted in the the, the, the stalemate that, uh, that eventually set the seeds and the stage for the Second World War. Had we not gotten in it, and had we made clear from the beginning that we would not get in it, and had we not allowed our central bank to invest and ship shiploads of gold over to the British and uh, and basically uh, profit from it, then I think that there's there's a lot of experts who say that uh, that the war would have petered out a lot sooner and uh, that the nations would not have entered into this devastating and prolonged conflict that resulted in the carnage that was unprecedented up until that point in world history and exhausted and wiped out Europe and the enthronement of Bolshevik communism in Russia, which happened a year before the end of the war. Was that part of the agenda? I would argue yes. You know, there was a report that came out in the late 1950s from the Reese Committee 
um, which uh, was set up to investigate foundations. And one of the uh, articles of testimony that was uh, gathered by their chief researcher, Norman Dodd, who questioned the Carnegie Institute for Peace, one of the first foundations created in 1913 was that one of the debates that took place at that foundation was how to create world socialism. What do we do to, to create this idea of a, uh, of a world that is, quote, progressive, that is controlled by the state? Where How do we set the stage for people to give up their natural notions of freedom? How do we convince people to do it? And they debated this issue for a year, and eventually they wrote a report with their conclusions. And their conclusion was that the best way to do it... Oh, thank you very much. Sorry about the delay. Ned Ryan is here from Voter Gravity. By the way, I should mention that their conclusion was World War. Ned, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Sorry about the delay. And you're on the uh, Thanks a lot, Ned. Appreciate you joining me. Yeah. Uh, talk a bit, to, if you will. Yeah. Great, thanks. Talk a bit, if you will, about voter gravity. What is the work you do over there? So we, we work with, we're a national database technology company, and, and what does that mean in 30 seconds? We've got a national data file, 175 million voters, with the technology on the front end to get people to the right place, having the right conversations with the right people. You know, looking at what the Obama team did in, in 2012 uh, and, and really spending a lot of time investing in data and technology, uh, you know, we realized center rights, Republicans, conservatives were very, very far behind on this front. And so really what it is all about is, is really making the process by which we have live conversations, especially on the doorstep, which is the gold standard in politics, more efficient. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really, it's a force multiplier, giving people the ability to have literally four to five times as many of these live contacts as they would, uh, you know, using pen and paper. Uh, it's an integrated data platform, so a phone system, a mobile app, you know, a mapping uh, system by which you cut all your walk lists, a, a customized survey builder. And it's really, you know, I, I boil it down to the fact that we really, really feel that what we're doing is engineering winning. Um, that's what that's what gravity is about. You know, Ned, you're doing exactly what needs to be done right now because I think it's clear that Obama won 2012 by doing these very same things. My my good friend Jerome Corsi wrote a book about this called What Went Wrong, and he concluded yep. that Obama basically was able to use databases to target very specific groups with specific messages. I mean, they, not to mention they gave out all their exactly. millions of free phones. But the fact is, like, for a Hispanic group would get one message. A black group would get one message. A gay group would get one message. A woman's group would get right. one message. They would all be different and completely separate from each other, but they were tailored to that group to get them out to vote or to get them to do something, and it was brilliant. It worked like no, a clockwork. And, and Republicans yeah. were way behind the eight ball, so what you're doing is you're bringing us up to date. Well, and that's, that's the goal. I mean, one of the things we're doing, again, is building what we feel is the best database technology on the right. But it, it's, it's a means to an end. And this is the thing I always emphasize, even though I'm the, you know, the head of a technology company and we do lots of really cool things. Technology is a means to an end. It is not the end in and of itself. 
And I think that's something where some people, I think, on the right have gotten really enraptured with data or technology. Well, that's the means to the end. We left behind the car, uh, the horse and buggy and adopted a car so we get faster from point A to point B. And it's the same thing with technology. We want to get people from point A to point B faster, and that point B is the live conversation. Then feeding back the data into a, you know, the, the, the database so we can be better informed to have better conversations moving forward. And at the same time, what we've done with the data, you know, for a starting point, is giving people a lot of great data so they can have the right conversations. This owner knows how tough it is to get financing for their business. Whether the cash is needed for expansion, repairs, or growth, when you need financing, you need a reliable source. Banks are happy to hold your deposits, but don't bother to ask them for a business loan. For 10 years, Merchant Capital Source has been helping small businesses just like yours get the money they need. If your business needs as much as $250,000, Merchant Capital Source can deliver in as little as three to five days, even if you have poor credit. If you've been in business for six months and produce at least $15,000 in monthly sales, there's a good chance you'll qualify and talk about hassle-free we don't need to see your tax returns financial statements or business plans rated a plus by the better business bureau join the thousands of business owners who've learned the secret of using merchant capital source to meet their capital needs log on to mccash.com right now for a free quote that's mccash.com or call 800-482-4160 that's 800-482-4160 800-482-4160 basically put that data into a format that could be used by candidates um, who then have the message. And as you say, data is only a vehicle. It's it's the car. It doesn't get you. Exactly. It can get you to the place, but you have to have somebody driving the car. Um, so that's, this is a – That's the yep. thing. That's, that's the thing, again, I want to emphasize is we have to commit. If we want to win, and I want to win. I mean, this is everything that we do, not only with voter gravity, but I started an organization called American Majority as well. It's about equipping. It's yeah. about training. It's about giving people tools to win. Um, I think I think we have gotten lost in some of our ideas. We've gotten uh, lost in, you know, with data technology. The whole purpose of all of this stuff is so that we can win, so we can implement our ideas, but we have to commit to doing the right thing. And we haven't done that. I mean, the left has been superb at organizing. Uh, they have been right. superb at building infrastructure, not six weeks or seven weeks before an election, but year in and year out. So that when it comes time for voting, or it comes time for elections to elect men and women to put policy in place, they're always prepared. And so that's one of the things. I'm like, we have to build infrastructure, and then we have to equip people with the tools, the right technology to have the right conversation so we can persuade people that we have the right idea so we can win and implement the right policy. No, look, I mean, we're, we're a little late at the game. I mean, the left started this with Howard Dean and the Berkman right. Institute over at Harvard. And uh, right. they so they've been at it for a while, and they have the database. Now, my question to you, Ned, therefore, is, I mean, how far along are you? Are you now up and running on the ground in, in all 50 states? I mean, are you able to deliver this product? To, uh, to people in any, any district? We have uh, all 50 states uh, of 135 million voters, and we have clients in 36 of those states. Um, we've got clients that are running for precinct chair, and we've got uh, clients that are running for U.S. Congress. So, it, And that's the other thing I would emphasize to those listening is I wanted to build a scalable tool, one that somebody running for school board could use and be very effective in a smaller race, and then obviously that a U.S. Uh, congressional race, whether it's House or Senate, 
uh, could use as well, and it's scalable, so they can, you know, be using that for either a congressional district or a statewide race. So, no, yeah, clients in 36 different states, scalable from school board to Senate, and uh, I'm excited about where we're at. We're building a few more uh, new features in July, but uh, I would encourage people, photogravity.com is the website, but but check yep. it out. I think people, when people see it, they are pleasantly surprised oh, it's that amazing. like this exists. And my thing is, yeah, I mean, it's very, it's very sophisticated. It, it exists, and now you what you have to do is go put it into action. I go in, I record the show, and they they keep running it every day. By by three right. months, everybody recognizes me on the street. So you know, yeah. technology can be used in a way, and oftentimes that technology is free. I mean, your 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 Facebook account, your LinkedIn, your Twitter account. Exactly. If if you build that up, you know you develop a an infrastructure where you can send out messages every day, and they're seen by ten, fifteen thousand people that are uh, are interested in getting them because they're part of your system, and then well, it's and, picked and up by other. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's one of the things I you, you're right on the mark. Is I encourage people there if you will sit down and just take a moment to think about all the resources that are at your fingertips, and take a moment to really you know be creative. And think about what you can do because people say, well, we don't have, you know, I don't have that much money or I don't have that much time or I don't, you know, whatever the list of excuses is. Think about what you can do and what is out there for minimal expense and minimal time to really have, you know, it it can build to be a significant impact. So I just encourage people, I I don't think we we have no options but to do something at some level, each one of us, uh, if we're really that concerned right. about where we are as a country and, and what the future looks like if we don't do something. Okay, my, my guest is Ned Ryan from the Voter Gravity Group, votergravity.com. Ned, are you, are you involved? Are you, uh, do you have as clients people who are involved in causes, like, for example, people who might be concerned about too much gun control, people who might be concerned about... Uh, you know, immigration policies right now? I mean, it seems to me that that would be a natural for you as well. We, we've got some advocacy groups that are clients, um, some national ones, some, some smaller ones. Uh, but, yeah, no, this is, this is not just for candidates. This is not just for campaigns. We will, we're building a tool that if somebody feels strongly about an issue and wants to be able to talk to the right people about their issue, gravity is the tool. It will streamline the process by which you can get to the right place, having the right conversations with the right people. And so you're right. No, this is this is not only for campaigns. This is for advocacy groups of really all shapes and sizes um, so that they can be effective as well. And, again, one of the things we're trying to do is take very powerful data and make it very easy to use. And, and that's really what we're emphasizing with our technology is making something that's very intuitive, uh, it's easy to use, but at the same time, it's it's powerful. It's real-time data appends to voter voter, you know, inside a, a database. It's inter, inter, right. integrated phone system, mobile app, all this. So it's all integrated, but it's easy to use, and it gives people the chance to really, really have an impact. Again, not only at the local level, but also at the statewide level as well. Do you have a database that can help a candidate raise funds? Yeah, so one of the things that we're doing is we've got some of our, our data, you know, demo, uh, demographics of, uh-huh. of uh, uh, political and conservative donors so we can give people a good starting point of understanding, you know, who are the likely donors. We've already we started to do some profiling of people that we think are potential donors based off the profiles of known donors. 
So that's one of the things, yeah, you're right. I mean, a lot of these local campaigns, state campaigns are looking for how do we raise money. Uh, it's one of the things we've already started down the path on, and I think we're going to get even more refined and more sophisticated on that in the next, uh, you know, the upcoming months. No, that's great because I know that, uh, as mentioned, the left is very good at that. I mean, they've got uh, Obama's campaign list. Uh, you know, we know that he turned it over to Acorn in 2008 so that, you know, after he'd maxed it out. And that that's something that uh, a lot of these guys have, I mean, in-house. They've got these right. – I mean, I think Mitt Romney probably has a pretty good one, actually. Uh, you, know, you know, and it's information that – yep, yep. Yeah, he he, he does. It's, uh, but it's one of those things that – yeah, you're right. I mean, this – with, with the data and technology that we have that, that you know, people can, people can get, it will give them a much better starting point. Um, because that's one of the biggest challenges that a lot of campaigns face, and quite frankly, even advocacy groups face, is how are you going to fund your campaign or how are you going to fund your cause? You know, at a certain point, uh, there's only so much shoe leather and elbow grease, and I can only carry you so far. At a certain point, you're going to need funding. So, yeah, that is one of the things that uh, we feel like we're, we're headed in the right direction, have some good things in place already. But uh, we want to give people the ability to not only raise the money, organize their live voter contact, manage their donors, manage their volunteers, have real-time data tracking so they can watch, you know, if our goal is 5,000 votes, uh, you know, we're at 3,200 as of this date, and here's what we've got to do to get to the, you know, to the goal. So it's all just this integration of everything that, as I say, Chuck, it's message, manpower, and money all in one place, Yep. real-time yep. tracking so people can be, so we don't have to ask. I mean, we, we kind of joke around the office that uh, sadly one of the questions that Republican candidates have asked in the past is, where are we at? Well, now you don't have to ask where are we at because at any moment, at any day, you're going to be able to understand this is where we're at in regards to doors, to phones, to money raised, to social media supporters. And so really be able Just no name? Until you book. Um, hi. about the integrated phone banking uh, element so one of the things that you can do with with the gravity phones is you dial in once you stay connected and the phone list that you're going to be calling is one that that you've built so it, it could be a very targeted demographic let's say you want to talk to independent women ages 35 to 65 so you've built this phone list in the back you plug it into the phone system you've built your customized survey that it reflects the demographic that you're going to be talking to. So you're going to be talking to independent women ages 35 to 65. So the questions you'll be asking them on the survey, you know, reflects that demographic. You hit start, you dial in once, and you're off to the races. It connects you with the phone number. If it's going to be a voicemail, we've got a voice message system where you've pre-recorded an MP3 file. If you know it's going to voicemail, hit the button, leave the message, you're on to the next call. So the idea, again, is Fantastic. live, live conversation. I mean, that's, that's the gold standard, understanding and having those conversations, not only so you can understand where people are at, but quite frankly, so people actually know you exist. I mean, I was having this conversation yesterday. No, this is absolutely great. I, I, I mean, if I, you guys could do this, it's, 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 worth, it's, it's worth gold. I mean, this is great. I'm speaking here as a 
Attention, teachers, nurses, social workers, government employees, police officers, and firefighters. If you're still paying on student loans, get ready for a special announcement. Your entire student loan can be forgiven. You heard correctly. Broadsword Student Advantage has free information on how you could potentially have the remaining balance on your student loan debt forgiven. Broadsword Student Advantage can help anyone with $10,000 or more in federal student loan debt potentially cut their payments in half, reduce their interest rate, or consolidate their outstanding loan. But if you are a teacher, nurse, government employee, police officer, firefighter, or work for a nonprofit company, you have the added benefit of potentially having your student loan forgiven. Call now for free information to find out how. Call 800-210-6779. 800-210-6779. Don't waste another payment on your old student loans. Call for your free loan forgiveness information now at 800-210-6779 or visit online at getforgiven.org. Get into your phone system and put the candidate on so he's just connecting with live calls with these donors so he can raise money. I'm like, great, perfect. So it's yeah. kind of fun to see the feedback from the candidates. And so now we're just we're turning it into not only are they bringing in their donor list, but we have some potential donors. Plug it into the phone system, off to the races they go. No, I mean, there's every politician does this. Barack Obama is doing it in his own private quarters in the White House. You know, it doesn't matter whether you're Democrat, Republican. They all do it, and you have to be good at it. It's not obviously a pleasant part of politics, but no. if you don't do it, you're not going anywhere. But good candidates, I mean, this is the thing. Good candidates have to understand that most of the time they're going to have to spend, you know, 30 to 50% of their time raising money. It just, and that's what, you know, when we do our candidate trainings with American Majority, this is one of the realistic conversations we have with potential candidates of understanding the realities of what they're getting into. That this is not just a you know song and dance routine through a you know a, a field of flowers. You're going to have to buckle down and do some things that you might not find pleasant, but at the same time, if you want to be successful and we want you to be successful, you're going to have to spend significant percentage of your time raising money so that you can fuel a successful campaign. Um, so I, I mean, yeah, those, those listeners that are thinking about running for office, just understand you're going to have to raise money if you want to be successful. No, absolutely. It's just a it's a given. It's a basic um, piece of the puzzle. And uh, you guys have have the ability to deliver lists and to have a technology in place, which makes it easier because, you know, it's difficult and it's time consuming. Then that's you're worth your weight in gold just right there. I mean, that's amazing. Well, and that's one of the things that I've told people, you know, a lot of times first time candidates are out there scrambling around looking for good data. If I'll tell you right now having wrestled with data, Secretary of State files, uh, most of the time are not that great a starting point with data. So you've got to clean it. You've got to get a data appended. Exactly. You've got to do all this hygiene. So then you, then we're able to tell so the you, So you guys, clear, you, you guys clean your lists. No, that's yeah, that's you, hygiene, that's quarterly huge. Quarterly hygiene. Quarterly hygiene. Okay. And, uh, all right. So well, national... we've, we've got – thank you. We've got Ned Ryan on the line. Voter Gravity is the website, votergravity.com. Um, Ned, I want to thank you for joining me. We should do it again soon. I appreciate the opportunity, and, yeah, let's do it sometime in the future. Thanks a lot, Ned. Okay, so that's Voter Gravity. You bet. Um, And uh, check it out. I mean, this is uh, really the answer to a lot of the issues that, uh, that I've been talking about since the 2012 election. 
Financial News Alert to consumers who owe back taxes to the IRS. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing during the decline in the U.S. economy, the Internal Revenue Service is now accepting reduced settlements from consumers on back taxes, resulting in back taxes reduced by thousands of dollars. An open phone line has been established by federal tax relief for consumers to call and see if you qualify for this reduction. To ensure your financial stability during this decline in the economy, take down this number or store it in your cell phone, but call 1-800-574-9345. That's 1-800-574-9345. If you owe back taxes to the IRS, there's no need to fear anymore. The IRS is now accepting reduced settlements from consumers, resulting in tax debts reduced by thousands of dollars. For your free information and to see if you qualify for your reduction, call the Federal Tax Relief Hotline, 1-800-574-9345, 1-800-574-9345. That's 1-800-574-9345. 